On tonight's episode of Sports Cap Radio, we got a recap of Divisional Week. Mandatory Cowboys laugh track, Big Cock Brock overhyping, Bengals praise, plus Bills overreactions, some Jalen Hurts love, and then we shit on Daniel Jones, and then we make sweet, sweet love to Mr. Patrick Mahomes while, we giving, while giving some modest props to the Jags. And we got shower thoughts and factor cap to finish it off. And of course, we're going to look ahead to the conference finals. Uh, let's do this, boys. One, two, three, four. It's a Sigma male conference finals in that this is truly the best four teams. Um, it's going to be just an incredible feast this weekend if you look at the Vegas lines it's just projected to be an incredible week of football again this whole season is delivered and I just think we're getting the ultimate showdown here but before we dig into the feast that is this weekend let's talk about what we just ate which was the divisional round which was pretty good wasn't quite what the wild card round but um any just pull uh, impulsive reactions you guys had from the week What was that? <laughs> Daniel Jones sucks balls again. <laughs> it was a fun week pretending that Daniel Jones was good. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought this week was kind of up and down. There were some some blowouts, some really not entertaining games. Um, the divisional lineup and, and divisional round ha- continues to kind of be the better of, of those first three rounds just because you do see so many divisional matchups, you know, some closer games. Uh, there's a few games where it's like, okay, uh, first quarter's over, and so is this game. Uh, what else is on TV? Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's let's dig into it. Um, it's just you know, it's one of the most consistent parts of our life that the Cowboys lose every year, um, and it's good too because for the last 20 years, like they're they're consistent. Like they've had good quarterbacks. They've had Bill Parcells. You know, they've they've had a slew of of, of decent coaches. Um, they've won their division a whole bunch, uh, and they're always competitive, which actually kind of just makes it a little bit sweeter. And I'm not going to go into a uh, Cowboys fans are cunts monologue like I did last week. I think that was a little much. Um, but the Vikings game broke my uh, sober January, so I'm going to reconvene again in February. <laughs> uh, but this Cowboys game, um, it really had it all. And we, we, we'll, we'll start with the final play. It's what everyone's talking about. And honestly, you know, it, it's it's one play, and it was a low percentage play. Like, the odds of them actually converting that were insane. Like, the, the, no matter what, the Cowboys were going to lose. But why is it that Mike McCarthy, does he just love being a meme? Like, do, do anything else. Just a conventional Hail Mary. You know, Dak throws an interception. Um, it, it gets tipped to the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're like, okay. You know, the Cowboys played the 49ers good, and the, the 49ers ultimately triumphed. But they go out, and they do not just a not just a weird play. Like, it was like a mirror image of one of the most hilarious plays of all time, which was uh, the Colts. You guys you guys remember it. The famous Colts play with just one yeah. center, um, and then they split out guys to the right. Now, that was a completely different situation. That wasn't even a Hail Mary, like, win the game situation, which made it even funnier. But what is it about Mike McCarthy? Like, does he just crave being made like a clown? Like, because it's, it's all anyone can talk about. It was such an insignificant part of the game. But what the fuck? What was I mean, that play? Obvious, obviously, the, 
they're probably not, they're not going to convert going to convert on that play. No. But to me, the problem, like, why is that play even in the playbook? Like, why was that play even being like? When did you install that? And you're like, yeah, this is going to win us a game. Like, what's the, the fuck craziest was part, dude? Elijah Mitchell gives you a fucking gift, running out of bounds and stopping the clock. And anything can happen at this point in the game. And that's the fucking play that you run. Dude, you got CD Lamb. You've got Dalton Schultz. You can't throw, give Dak a chance to throw a Hail Mary. It's just absurd, dude. And poor Zeke sitting there in the middle gets absolutely obliterated. Like, I've, he's going to be on Jeff Saturday pancake blocks when he gets fired by the Colts because uh, it's absolutely insane what they did to him there. It was ugly. Yeah, Zeke definitely needs to work on his pass sets. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I actually don't hate the concept of if you're going to do uh, pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo, as Scott Van Pelt has affectionately named this play, um, <laughs> to, to get a few more skill position players on the field. But that doesn't mean that center has to be one, yeah. right? Like, you probably have a long snapper that at least has some ability to do a little bit of pop, pl- pass blocking. It doesn't have to be Zeke. Um, so, yeah. Uh, can you, yeah, can you, I mean, well, he's not eligible. Play, if you're going to do eligible. the pitch play, can you at least, like, you can sacrifice the one athlete for somebody who can actually handle the snap, right? I right. mean, that play just as easily ends up 10 feet over the quarterback's head and, and ends chasing the ball backwards. Like, why put Zeke in that position? That was the best impressive part. 10 out of 10 on the snap, dude. Yeah. It was freaking yeah. tight directly to Dak. I'll give him that. But the defense definitely knew he's ineligible for the play. So you go blow him up, take him out of the play completely. I mean, they, they had it from the start, man. It was ugly. So the NFL, the reason, you know, we, we started out sports memory, and we actually tried pretty hard to be kind of a well-rounded meme page, and then it just inevitably became an, an NFL meme page. And it's because of stuff like this. Because, honestly, no other sports are as funny as the NFL. And it does almost appear as if it's a script at times. Because teams just always fuck up in the way that they do. The Vikings are going to miss the field goal, you know, the last second of regulation. The the Cowboys are going to fuck up in hilarious fashion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, the things that are just a running joke, a running gag, it straight up seems like somebody is just writing that in. And I could almost picture, like, Judd Apatow, like, writing that in, writing that into the final cow- Cowboys script. Just yeah. being like, dude. How about after just a hilarious game where it looked like they could have won and they could have won up until the very final drive, we just throw in the most fucking ridiculous play. And then we put in as our lead blocker who has no option to even receive under any circumstances, Ezekiel Elliott. He gets blown out. They pass it to the middle of the field, which that that couldn't have been by design. I have to think that Dak Prescott threw just the wrong person or something. Something yeah. wasn't right. And then the guy, the guy that catches it, he doesn't even like attempt. It was like he, he didn't even like. I, I know he got hit immediately, but fumbled the ball. Do it, do literally anything. Imagine they, like, I mean, he got blasted. Honestly, they, he did get blasted on the play. It was two anything. massive hits. Dak getting smashed, and that dude getting smashed back to back. It, it was it was really brutal. Imagine they uh, accidentally cut to like a control room. It's Ed Harris, like the Truman Show, just sitting there like smirking, <laughs> directing everything. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well add the bills to that list too, Drew, where it's the, the gag for a team that gets, you know, at the end of the year, it just never comes together. But just, just going backwards in time, in chronological order from that play, then the, the previous play, Dalton Schultz, just a pathetic catch. 
doesn't even like attempt to drag his foot. Like he had so much space. There, like we're, we're talking like a solid three yards of space. This wasn't like a close sideline catch. He steps and doesn't even like attempt to drag it to drag his foot. To me, that's that's like bad coaching of fundamentals. Like how are you not prepared for that moment if you're Dalton Schultz? Um, and then it's the, the whole drive was just it straight up was like a stand up routine. Lest we forget, you remember Dak just getting murdered in the end zone? That that was they dude, they almost just straight up had a safety. That would yeah. right? I don't even know if that would have been more funny. I think it, it probably would have. But Dak Prescott just gets killed in the in, in the red zone. Like if it's five years ago and that guy's not afraid to hit the quarterback late, that's a safety. Yep. He pulled up when you watch the yeah, replay. 100%. He, he pulled up because he like, was he was worried about blasting him uh, after the ball was yeah. gone. Yeah. Well, he did. He did give him a good pop. That's why he yeah. pulled up. I think he's like, oh shit, don't get the fifteen yarder because he got he got him good and good on Dak for staying on his feet right there because he very well could easily gone down, dude. He, that guy came in full force. Yeah, but Dak Prescott is, I mean, I started this season being like, Dak's not the answer. You know, there was that funny meme about Dak Prescott being black Kirk Cousins. I think that's an insult. <laughs> I think that's an insult to Kirk Cousins at this point. Like, Dak Prescott doesn't even appear like he has any business. <clears throat> like, he has just looked horrible at times last year. And, and, and yeah, Cal- Cowboys yeah, fans thinking awful of game. awful, Put awful some respect game. on Kirk's name, man, because yeah. Dak has been awful. And I've said it from the beginning since they gave him that contract. When somebody snaps their leg in half like that, you don't pay him the top-tier contract, dude. Well, like, Jared no, Jones Dak, crumbled. Dak's in that, that worst-case scenario tier of quarterback where he's good enough to win games and you have to pay him but he's not good enough to win the Super Bowl by himself without like a stellar cast. And then, you know, you get the other side, you get the Brock Purdy's where you don't have to pay him anything and you can put in a, a ridiculous cast around them. They just have to run point guard or you get your Patrick Mahomes that can just do it by themselves. But he's in that in-between where like he takes up all the money, but he's not going to get you there by himself. And you can't put the cast you need around him because he took all the money. Definitely so, big difference. So when we got Kyle Shanahan versus freaking Kellen Moore calling plays out there too, that that oh yeah, that's, but that's what I'm big, saying. Big like big you just you yeah. just like that, that's that. I didn't tier. think that, I didn't think that Kellen Moore necessarily had a bad game though. Um, I mean, they're in this game. Obviously, they they miss the extra or blocked extra point. A um, couple other things don't go their way, but Dak just played awful, right? So he threw two interceptions. He also had at least what two or three other balls that could have or should have been intercepted. Um, just consistently poor play out of your quarterback, and you can't have that if you're expecting to beat a team that has as many dudes as San Francisco has. Um, I was messing with some of my uh, Cowboys coworkers uh, earlier this week, telling them, "Yeah, so they just won their first road playoff game since you know before one of you was even born, um, and you expect them to go win three road playoff games." Zach played the best game that he's ever played maybe in his life against the Bucs, and you expect him to be able to repeat that? I don't think so. So uh, here you have the the other side of that coin, Dak playing horribly. Mm-hmm. Dak is horrible. In fact, l- let me just, let me just, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call out some names. Is Dak worse or better than the guys I'm about to call out? Kirk Cousins. Worse. Worse. I mean, he's not better. Derek Carr. <laughs> They're, they're the same he's, guy. He's a little better. Than, I literally, when, better I, when, than I just, when I described that scenario, that tier of guys you have to pay but aren't going to get it done, like that's that's that tier. It's I, well, yeah. Are we factoring in contract? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, Derek Carlson has a pretty bad contract, but I, I get your point. Um, 
All right, Derek Carr, let's say at this point in his career, like, who would you, would you rather have Tom Brady? Like, if Tom Brady's on the Cowboys right now, it, worse, worse or better, Tom Brady? I'll take Tom Brady over Dak. I mean, with the Cowboys offensive line, I'd take Brady in there. <laughs> I think it's just the experience, right? Yeah. So, yeah. especially that's, in that that's the advantage. Time. Yeah. No doubt. Who do you think's more fixable, Dak Prescott or Sam Darnold? I'm taking Sam Darnold. I'm still taking Dak. Like I'm not going to take Dak. Yeah, Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold has not proven that he's been able to do anything consistently. I, th- I like, think I'm trying. I'm trying to stretch out your guys's uh, hot take yeah, meters yeah, a little bit. I'm going on. I'm going on age. Yeah. I'm going on age and injury injury prone. If you give him a chance, I think it could be all right. He's been bounced all over the league. Everybody's talking. Give him a chance. And listen, like, you, guys I have one for you, Jameis or Dak. <laughs> I'm still. T- I'm taking Dak. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm taking uh-huh. Dak, bro. <laughs> yeah. But dude, you want to hear a cra- crazy stat? Uh, Brock Purdy now has the same number of playoff victories as Dak Prescott and Tony Romo. Yep, <laughs> two <laughs> already. Uh, Brock Purdy has never lost a game, and and you know a lot of it's just amazing what what people will reflex to. Um, people are like, oh, Brock Purdy didn't play a good game. You're right, he didn't play that good of a game. Soundly outplayed Dak Prescott. Soundly. Didn't make any mistakes. Had more yards with far less, far less attempts. Um, made huge first down plays. Uh, Brock Purdy is just—he knows the situation, man, and, and kind of, he knows his role. Like I think that um, you know that's kind of been the problem with the 49ers. Is I think Jimmy Garoppolo kind of resisted his role. You know, I think I think they trade that second round pick to the Pats, thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo could actually turn into something, and when he didn't. He didn't, you know, quite embrace the role. Brock Purdy is the perfect guy for this because he has absolutely no ego. He's just a dude with a big cock who wins a bunch of games. Like, yeah, it's just the yeah, fucking stuff. His path matters a lot because, like you said, there's no ego. He's been humbled. He was the last pick of the draft. So he's listening to that coaching. He's getting the huddle. Hey, here's the situation where, you know, you get somebody like Dak or Jimmy G signs that second contract and they they think they they run that relationship between them and the coordinator. They, they kind of get that, that veto. Uh, and they make some really stupid plays trying to be a superhero. He's very Purdy. Ames, Iowa. Very Ames, Iowa. Like, his, his whole persona is just very, like, you know, grab a red box on a Friday night rather than go out rather than go out and partying. And, like, you, you see him. He doesn't really smile. He does, He never gets mad. He's kind of like a, 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 a Gen Z guy on steroids. Unflappable. <laughs> He's just unflappable, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he's also, you know, kind of, I don't know. I think he's perfect, and I, you know, it's, it, I think the sky's the limit for this guy and, and this team. But, um, yeah, I, I, I tried really hard. I, I, I looked back. I even watched some highlights. I was trying just to find any angle where Dak did anything. I was just trying to get any positive point I could about Dak Prescott. But uh, Fred Warner he had a pretty, intercepted he had a pretty it. cool option play. <laughs> it um, was, dude. He, he, he did a couple he did. Of good plays, but yeah, he's he's not good. And um, I think the Cowboys. I mean, Zeke Elliott also just a terrible game. You know who did? You know who did their fucking job? Cowboys defense. Jesus, how many times? They how they many played ta- really well? How many times were they put on the ropes by this mm-hmm. clown? The, by this clown show that this <clears throat> is this offense? Like tear everything down. I almost think you know you can't even hand the reins to. Um, uh, their defensive coordinator at this point because it's like I, I just think this this whole sh- 
what we're seeing out of McCarthy in Dallas is exactly what we saw him with the Packers. He's going to have a great regular season every single year, and he's going to fail in epic fashion because mm-hmm. he's not a good game planner and just not a good decision maker at all. And two years in a row now, just last year, they end with Dak Prescott running a fucking quarterback sneak with absolutely no timeouts left. Like, just laughably bad finishes every time. It's like they don't, it's like yeah. he doesn't know. He's, he's like too concerned about like dancing around with chains and smashing watermelons and actually like actually preparing for games. On the other side, I think that what Kyle Shanahan did in this game where they limited what Brock Purdy needed to do um, they com- they stayed committed to running the ball, even though it wasn't super effective because they knew later in the game it would wear on the, uh, the Cowboys' defense. Um, and then they knew that their defense was good enough to limit the possessions of the Cowboys. And then once they had that lead, they were taking it down every play down to the last second before they snapped the ball. That's just really well-coached football team knowing exactly what they needed to do to win um, and delivering on it. So, I, I mean when you have one of like a really good coach on one side and you have a coach that is very questionable in a lot of the things and decisions that he makes, um, then, then you get an outcome like this, even if the Cowboys were a really good football team this year. Sean Payton's phone's ringing. I mean, it, for it's, the been ringing. Yeah, it's been ringing for, the, for a lot of, for from, a lot of places. Jerry, um, though, the, the dream job for him was always Dallas. Bill Parcells, when he was supposed to take over, and that didn't happen. He ended up moving to the Saints. And, and that's the dream job for him, dude. Is it the time with the you have an excuse for McCarthy underperforms two times in a row? Get him out of there. I think if you're Jerry Jones, you have to do something. It is it if it's not the coach, then it's gotta be the quarterback. Uh so, something has to change. Also, their cap situation is not necessarily great next year, and they're projected to lose quite a few guys, right? So they're most likely gonna have to cut Zeke in order to uh, make the cap what they need it to be. Uh, Tony Pollard is going to be a free agent. Dalton Schultz is going to be a free agent. Um, you don't have a wide receiver to pair with CD Lamb that you actually count on. So, I mean, uh, there's a couple of guys in that offensive line that are going to be moving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is – they have some work to do, and uh, I'm not sure that you want Mike McCarthy to be that guy. They traded Agreed. Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick. Like, yes. just an unforced offseason error. Um, just – Bad. And they, they've consistently been good in the draft, but yeah, you got to let Zeke go. Uh, but on the other side of the football, just sticking with the 49ers, um, George Kittle's a god. He made some plays. <laughs> he made some plays that were just unreal. And we're talking, you know, Iowa State passing to Iowa, and they're both kind of the same, like unflappable. Just that. That's a great duo there, uh, George Kittle and and. Uh, but the, the one red flag that I saw of the 49ers, one thing that is very concerning is. Christian McCaffrey's not healthy. He is not 100% healthy. Uh, He was not effective in this game. I mean, Elijah Mitchell gets more carries than Christian McCaffrey in a playoff game. There's something not right there. Um, He apparently has some sort of calf injury, and they're being kind of hush-hush about it. But um, Mm. I think that it's worse than they're letting on, considering this performance. Uh, He must have heard it at some point um, during Seattle during the Seattle game and they just really have, have not said much about it, but yeah, Christian McCaffrey didn't do much of anything this game. Yeah. Calves, calves are bad too. Cause they can linger for a long time. So that's not a good sign for them. Um, Especially scat backs. Guys, I do guys think, that rely on their cuts. I do think that they wanted to lean a little bit more on Elijah Mitchell just because they're going to run the ball in between the tackles a little bit more. 
Um, whereas they like to get McCaffrey a little bit more on the outside or take advantage of, you know, his pass catching ability. So um, that may have that may have definitely played into the game plan, though. You think Elijah Mitchell is a better runner than, than Christian McCaffrey? Elijah Mitchell, I think he's drafted. I think he's a more physical runner. In between the tackles against the defense that is sideline side to sideline is top notch in the yes. league. When you got Parsons right. and you've got Curse out there, guys that can just, I mean, flow with the ball, it is tough. And Elijah Mitchell, he was out for majority of the season. He hasn't had the tread on his tires getting worn like right. CMC. He's fresh legs. So Exactly. I just think that that was kind of played into it. And that calf injury definitely, uh, I would say, swayed him even more in that direction late in the game. Yeah, Tony Pollard going down. Um, I mean, that that was yep. pretty much the end of the Cowboys right there. Uh, it's, they don't they don't have any explosive players outside of him and CeeDee Lamb. So, I mean, Dalton Schultz had some... The fact that he did get open as much as he did um, was a little surprising because normally Fred Warner shuts that guy down. Um, but, you know, they found a couple of matchups and, and hit, a, hit a couple spots there. But outside of that, there's just no explosiveness in that offense. And once Tony Pollard goes down, it's like, all right, well, how are we going to create explosive plays? And they weren't able to do it. And the 49ers are going to make you look pedestrian on that defense, too. When you got Fred Warner, Greenlaw back there, I mean, dude, they used to have Patrick Willis and freaking Navarro Bowman. Now they get these two guys like, fuck you, 49er fans, you ungrateful bastards. Yeah, and I, the way the 49ers played this game, I think that they realized that this is the, this is the last... Um, this is the best remaining defense left in, in in the in the whole bracket, and I think that they they were they were un, you know worried about it because that's what could have thrown off their rookie quarterback. I think I really do think this this is probably one of the last chances to really get to Brock Purdy because although the Eagles defense is really really good, um, it's not Dallas. And I, I, I truly believe that they, they almost played this game like, all right, we just got to get past these fuckers and then and we're going to be good. Um, so, yeah, they, they played such a conservative game and it's just it's just a great game plan for the 49ers all, all the way around. D'Amico Ryans is truly just a great defensive coordinator. I mean, this guy's going to be a head coach next year. There's really no doubt about it. And I love D'Amico Ryans. You know, he's got, got a lot of uh, interview requests. He declined them all. Uh, he's like, nope. They, they, the 49ers are on a, truly on a mission. They, they they know they got something here, and they're uh, they're they're just you know they're they're rumbling towards it. Didn't they implement something where they said that they're going to try to push back the hiring window um, for some of these NFL teams and stuff, so that these guys that are on actually good teams don't have to you know, give up all this time uh, midweek and stuff like he that. He could have taken him if he wanted to. Yeah, but he they're also have. saying, too, that these teams, it's a good excuse for him to use to say, ah, I don't want to go interview for these teams. I think it was the Cardinals. Uh, I can't remember the other two teams that it was that he uh, declined, yeah. Texans and one other. Um, so maybe a good excuse to get out of that. I can't think of, honestly, I can't think of a better um, situation than the Texans with, with, all, with their draft capital. Like, it's... <laughs> and, and especially because of the expectations going into that job, like that, that would be that would be an elite coaching job for me. Um, but anything else about this game? All right, let's move on. Bengals Bills, um, just an ass whooping. I mean, I, honestly, the, the the final score wasn't even fully indicative of what an ass whooping this was from yeah. start to finish. I mean, the, that first <clears throat> drive, I. I mean, I, I said last week in our podcast, and I love the receipts, I said I think that the Bengals are going to win this game by a lot. And mm-hmm. they did. Um, 
the even more in even more dominant fashion than I thought. Yeah. I mean, you hold the Bills to 10 points in their own house. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. is going on with the Bills? Joe Anarumo, he put together a hell of a game plan, um, especially once they got out to that 14 nothing lead. Um, I know that the Bills did, you know, come back down and score, but it really kind of made them start to pick up the urgency, which a little bit of a rush Josh Allen creates more mistakes. Um, and so I think we saw some of that there. But just the Bills' game plan on offense – the first drive, first two drives, like that, they 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 possessed the ball for a while. They they mixed pass and run, and they just matriculated the ball down the field and punched it in. Like they obviously hit a broken play with a you know bro- busted tackle there, but they they just look really good. Dude, guys, I got three names for you: Max Sharping, Jackson Carmen, and Akeem, and then G. You know who those guys are? Yes. I had no idea who the fuck they were, but they just started an offensive line for the Bengals with three starters out, and they did a hell of a fucking job owning the Bills' front line, not only on defense but on the offensive end. Even though they got some pressure there on Joe, they did a good job for backup line. You would think the Bills' D would have been in the trenches and dominating and putting pressure on Burrow, but, man, kudos to those guys filling in. I thought that was pretty amazing for that team to step up and take other other teams' trash and turn them into something starting in the playoffs and winning you a big game in Buffalo. I mean, Jackson Carmen was a second round draft pick and was a five star coming out of high school, so he's not like a no name. Well, um, a lot of the a lot of those guys you mentioned yeah. actually started yeah, in the play, for the Bengals in the playoffs last year. Um, so they yeah. they, but honestly, I, I like what the Bengals did. They took what they had last year, and it's kind of like you know when you just got a bunch of trash on the floor, you just threw a carpet over it. You still got the trash under there if you if you need it, but they they just put. They just kind of stacked some guys and improved the offensive line, but they kept all the guys behind it. And I, I love that approach because especially with the Bengals who have seen a lot of injuries, um, imagine if they didn't have those guys. They'd be fucked. Yeah, I think that they, they did a really good job of coaching that unit up, though. <clears throat> That's one of those things where it's like, even when they got beat on some things because maybe they were a little bit less talented than their counterparts on the other side of the ball, they were in the right place, which is the biggest issue most offensive lines when they have new guys stepping in is that they're not you know they they run stunts and they do other stuff and it and it confuses them and then you get free runners we didn't see a lot of free runners um they were in position in position that they needed to be and that's just a really good sign of coaching um particularly of of offensive line uh coach there i mean anything to make of like just the the bengals saying just fuck your feel-good story to the Bills. And, you know, it it was kind of funny. Like, um, they kept cutting to DeMar Hamlin, and there was so much snow, you could, like, barely see him in the box. Like, it was really cool, but at the same time, every time I saw it, I was almost like, oh, no, there's going to be some dumb fucking conspiracy theory that starts around this, isn't it? Isn't there? Someone's going to say, like, that wasn't really DeMar Hamlin or, or, or something. Um, and sure enough, I saw some weird comments, some, some, some cringe, and I'm just like, oh, the, the, the internet is just so predictable, predictably trash, but, uh, it was, it was funny. Like they didn't have any better camera angles of him just straight through yeah. the snow. Right. You just go yeah, like this. And he's like in a parka, like <laughs> it's, it, it was, uh, you didn't see much. Get the man up into the box, okay? Bring him out, run out with the you know, bring him out with the team at the beginning of the game, but then let's get him up in the box suite, please. Like we don't need my man in the snow like that. Yeah. 
I'm even watching another video of him. He comes he come, when he comes into the stadium, he's wearing a hoodie and like a mask and big white sunglasses. <laughs> so the conspiracy theory is so fucking stupid, but at the same time, like it was weird. It was could've like been anybody. It, it could have been literally anybody. Uh pretty funny. Um no, but I mean, going back to what actually, you know, what was what occurred because of that game and that injury and all that stuff where the game gets canceled. The Bengals were were winning that game early and they looked pretty dominant. And obviously things could change. We don't know how the rest of that game would have played out. But then, like we talked about last week, the Bengals are like, well, why do we have to go to Buffalo? Like we would have beat them if you'd allowed us to play that game. And we would have been hosting this, but no, they had to go to Buffalo. So they were pissed off and motivated because of that. And then the whole thing with obviously um, the Kansas City and Bills game that w- that never will happen uh, that was supposed to be played in Atlanta. That that was another motivating factor for the team. Um, and you know the tickets were sold out or whatever. I guess that they sold like fifty thousand tickets to that game already. Um, How so, is that the yeah. neutral site game? Get those I, refunds I, ready. That's what Joe Burrow said. Know, Get those I, refunds I back. I don't understand anything about the NFL's logic in this situation. This yeah. game should have been the neutral site. The AFC right. Championship game should have never been a neutral site in. Or maybe they both should have been. I, I don't know. But I'm really confused. It's either both or neither. Like, yeah. There's no. I don't understand how you make one a neutral site it and not the other. It doesn't make any sense. And, um, dude, just a lot of things. Like, you know, the, the Bengals and the Bills, they, they mutually decided to cancel the game as they should have. But why do the Bills get a a pass because of that? So, so yeah. just the Bills get a play in a neutral site? Last I checked, if the Bengals would have beat that, if the Bengals would have beat the Bills, th- there would have been more pressure on the Chiefs going into that final game, and who knows? Like, the Chiefs could have possibly lost that final game because of the... Pre- like, there's a lot of unknowns, um, and I'm just kind of confused how only the Bills would have gotten a neutral site if, if for the AFC Championship game. It doesn't make sense. I, I think I think both these games should have been, been neutral sites, no matter what. The Bengals got fucked at the end of the deal. I mean, Cincinnati Bengals fans are not happy they shouldn't have been, but who gets the laugh, last laugh, man? Joe Cool swinging that big dick Joe and smoking stogies. It's it's unreal, man. That kid's just ice in his veins. And it's just been fun to watch all the way since LSU. Uh, just the fun doesn't stop with him. And his social media presence, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks in his post-game uh, interviews, it, it's just unreal, man. The real genuine article. Did you see what he was wearing in the locker room after the game? The Seinfeld fit. Seinfeld sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking yeah. stud. Couldn't love this guy more. Everything he does. I'm like, oh, the guy likes Seinfeld too? Marry me, dude. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Marry me. Good Lord. You want, So also he's like a fucking like Gen Z fringe guy who, who, who appreciates the old classics. Come on now. He was, he was yeah, fucking a- born while Seinfeld was in it in the heat of its run. Like how does he even, how does he even appreciate Seinfeld? That's sure. uh, the guy's awesome. Greats recognize the greats. And, and he's a Randy Moss fan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Randy Moss fan. And yeah, the, the, the picture of him with the Randy Moss Jersey. I, I think he, mm. you know, I think he was kind of low key, like a, you know, like a didn't really have much of a team growing up or anything like that. He's just a really low key guy. Like, you know, nothing about his girlfriend. He has one. She's not an annoying. Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> 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 but uh, Josh yeah. Allen looking like the antithesis of Joe Burrow in prime time and in the playoffs. Yeah, let's talk about Josh Allen for a second. I mean, all right, so here, here's 
here's my thing on Josh Allen. They, the Bills, best team in the league to start the season. No doubt about it. They were incredible to start the season. And Josh Allen keeps taking these stupid fucking hits. And what are the what are the media and like writers and, and Bills, you know, beat reporters say? Like, you gotta let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. No, you don't. Especially not early in the year. Um, what they're doing to him is they're Cam Newtoning Josh Allen. We're, we're seeing mm-hmm. him, and it, it really is. It's so stupid. Like I remember the opening game, he was taking hits on his on his throwing shoulder and like doing all this unnecessary stuff. Like I'd rather lose a game than take one bad hit early in the season. Um, mm-hmm. I don't understand the way that the Bills are managing Josh Allen's career thus far. It's awesome the quarterback that he's turned himself into, but clearly this UCL injury. Um, you know, last year he got banged up. They need to rethink the way that they're using Josh Allen entirely and maybe even just chill out on the run plays beginning the season. If they don't win some games, like you still got Josh Allen and and Mm -hmm. you'd so much rather have him healthy, but I just don't think he was right for the final like six weeks of the season at all. You you couldn't have said it any better comparing it to the Cam Newton situation. I mean, if you're going to continue to let him be at Josh Allen. And I bet this part of that is a push on his on him as well. He, I bet you he goes to the coaches. He says, hey, don't take that away from me. I'm not small like these other guys. I can run. I can take it. But, dude, you got to take the player out of those situations. The longevity of the team and getting deep into the playoffs, like you said. And I think they win more games if they do that. You know, the last time, like, teams are prepared for Josh Allen running. They're, they're prepping for it in defense. They know. They see the plays on film. If you reduce that a little bit and pull those plays back, I think it actually opens it up a little more and catches the defense off guard, and you avoid those larger hits. And it's just funny to me that for Josh Allen, the beat writers you mentioned, ESPN, all those guys like, oh, yeah, Josh Allen's going to go get him. But then when you hear talk about like Jalen Hurts or any other running quarterback, it's like he's got to avoid these hits. He's got to get down. He's got to slide. It's just so like odd to me with his case because it seems encouraged by everybody, not only the media, but as you said, his teammates and the coaches with the play calling. Yep. Yeah, you just you got to protect the guys from themselves. And, and the biggest thing to do, too, is, is have a different a run game outside of him. Don't rely right. on him to be your only run game. They don't run the ball enough and and they run the ball extremely inefficiently uh and they have a lot of tells they they don't run the ball out of shotgun very well and they don't throw the ball out of uh, under center so they go under center and you know what it is and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's just so weird to have such uh, a glaring hole in an otherwise really well coached team you got to give them kudos though because they did try to go out and get cmc they were trying to pull a running back in late that's, in the season that's not even the guy that they need they don't need matter. a CMC. They need, like they James Cook can give you can give you what that is. What they need is a, a running back bro, that can actually bro. run between the tackles, which they don't have. Devin Singletary, J- James Cook, uh, Naheem Hines—they're all the same kind of guy. They're all like a good pass catching running back that is not really designed to to take a wear and tear and and um, be a bruising back. They need that's what they're missing. You don't think CMC makes that difference. You just said James Cook gives you the same thing as CMC. You're out of your mind. They tried to make a trade for the guy. They tried to pull in a big-time running back, and it didn't work out. And they I know, had but, to deal but to with Singletary point, and those guys. If they, if they get CMC, they don't win that game either. Yeah. They don't. They, 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 they make up net zero wins bringing in CMC because they can't run between the tackles. I mean, I don't think we could say for sure either way. I just think it helps the situation better than Singletary and freaking that, that – that, like, 
basically subpar backfield. I agree. But we can't give them credit. We can't give them credit for wanting to go get CMC and then not doing it. So they didn't get the gonna, deal. That's, well, yeah. that's what it is. No, I mean, then they didn't pay enough. If that's if that was the move that ha- that was going to take them over the top, then they have to pay more for it, which they didn't do. So apparently, they didn't on think them. So. I mean, th- there are guys. You 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 telling me if they would offered second, third, maybe even fourth round pick for Brandon Jacobs, the Ra- Raiders wouldn't have budged. Like, I think what Brandon about Jacobs Jeff Wilson, yeah. who went to the <clears throat> Dolphins, right, and he looked pretty good. And he's a more physical running back. Like that would have been a replacement too. So, by the, by the Jeff, way, I did, Jeff Wilson ain't doing shit. I, I, I tracked down one of the conspiracy theory tweets, and I got to read it for you because it's so funny. I will not believe Demar Hamlin is alive until he shows his face. This whole show, quote unquote, was sketchy. By the way, that's not a heart symbol he's making. Why has no mainstream media interviewed him? By the way, every time you see mainstream media in any rant, it's always just, all right, I, I tune it out. Why is he hiding his face? If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But I, but not until I see proof of actual life. And it is. It's so stupid. And yet, why, why aren't they showing this guy's face? Straight up, I, I, I honestly just want to know, like, there, there could be problems. Like, like, maybe he hasn't regained his full speech. And they, they just don't want to show people that. I, I think that, you know, I don't believe the conspiracy theory that it's not him. But it is a little weird that, like, he hasn't even had an interview. It's a little bizarre. Um, it, but, yeah, I, I, there, there's got to be something just, you know, probably he just doesn't feel right. You know, like he, he died. He literally died. So, um, but, yeah, the, the whole thing, like, it, it, him, it not sure being him. Is, privacy. Yeah, for sure. But um, still, it's, it's, it's a little bit odd. But uh, I, I called it out when he got traded, and it took three years to happen, but it finally fucking happened, boys. <laughs> Stephon Diggs turned on, the, turned on his team. He did it so many times with the Vikings, and he had an easier target with Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins is a guy who doesn't really defend himself, and you can just kind of throw him under the bus, and he's going to be like, I'll be praying for you, Stephon. Um, but... <laughs> Stefan Diggs lost his shit towards the end of this game. And it's the first time I've seen him implode on the bills. And I think we're going to see more of that coming. Cause that's the Stefan Diggs. I remember from the Vikings. So reports that he actually had all of his stuff and he was out of the locker room before even the coaches and the other teammates got back there. And then I can't remember what player it was. It was Jordan Poyer Mickey or somebody. That, well, yeah, one of the <laughs> veterans saw him. No, Duke Johnson. That's who it was. Okay. It was Duke Johnson caught him and brought him back into the locker room. Then he left again, like very shortly after it was reported. So it was big time, dude. He, that implosion, that's, that's not going unnoticed. That's trade territory. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it's trade territory just cause he means so much to the team, but um, it's just a red flag for things to come mm-hmm. because uh, the bills are about to lose Jordan Poyer. Um, we don't know if uh, you know, uh, What's his name? The Von Miller. We don't know what his status is going to be next year. Um, we might be witnessing kind of the end of this window uh, of of just. Well, greatness. Josh Allen's Josh Allen's uh, cap hit is going to go up next year. So this was this was the year that they kind of pushed all in for. So they're going to have to rework some stuff in the secondary and losing um, Poyer is huge, huge. I mean, they need they need they need a, like a big back like we were talking about. They need another wide receiver opposite of Diggs. Um, and then you need to solve a you know a little bit of that uh, that that softness that you have um, defensively against the run because Joe Mixon had another great game this week and they just ran the ball at will with as Kurt mentioned three backup offensive linemen so 
<clears throat> just so weird to me. Like a, a lot of times teams take on kind of the identity of the, of the city that they're in and to be Buffalo and play as many bad weather games as they do play in the snow as often as they do and not be a physical team that wants to run the ball is just insane to me. Like what, like use your, what you have to your advantage. Yep. Yeah, I guess Buffalo, kudos to the Bengals for having an outdoor practice facility for all these years because <laughs> they came ready to play out in the elements. There was no problem for them. No, they were I mean, slashing them. There, there were some. There were some yeah. plays where like Joe Mixon wasn't getting touched until the guy tackled them. Mm. You know, thirteen yards down the field. Dude, Hayden Hurst, holy shit, dude! He had a great game. What, what an absolute beast! And not just on the receiving end, but the blocking end. He was putting motherfuckers on their back, dude. It, it was insane. And that guy is an unsung hero in that offense. You need that big tight end that can do it all block, stay in if you need them and hit the, hit the seam routes and big plays. And and he answered the bell as a first round pick back in the day for the Ravens. Yeah. um, I, I I think it's kind of weird that Buffalo doesn't have a good running game because like the history of Buffalo kind of prior to this regime, they always had good running backs, you know, like Willis McGahee, Marshawn Lynch, Fred Jackson, uh, going all the way back to like Thurman Thomas, you know what I mean? Like, that's what the identity always has been for, you know, a place like that. So, And now they're going to throw is, the ball it, 55 times a game with a quarterback <laughs> that might need Tommy John. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Yep. Uh, Dabble is just a tremendous loss to this team. I mean, just just huge. And it's, it's clearly reverberating through that whole organization. And the last two games we talked about, Dak Prescott clearly regressing. You got to fire everyone, everyone that's involved in that. The Bills, whoever has been involved with Josh Allen's maintenance and, and his and his, you know, kind of mentorship, you got to I'm telling you, you got a leaky faucet and you, you need to snuff out whatever is the problem because it, Josh Allen regressed this year. He did like he, he played so good, but he didn't look good down the stretch. And I think that's a concern. Yeah. And if, if they don't if they don't nip that in the bud right now. Um, it could end up like Dak in a few years. Like maybe in two years, we're talking about Josh Allen, the choke artist, and Josh. What happened to Josh Allen? And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a, a huge concern. It, it really is crazy what what a coordinator loss can do to a team. And it's all going to bring us back to the equation of having a fat, jolly, yeah. happy coach on your team. Yep. God damn it! Team. The Bills need a jolly fat guy. They need a we jolly, need a fat, jolly guy. fat guy back on the squad. And I thought I, of mean, an, I thought of another um fat guy. Uh, point that we didn't bring up last week <laughs> the, the fat guy uh, conversation was epic um, but I did think of another point Mike McCarthy he's like the fat guy that like eats a bunch of McDonald's in his car and is embarrassed about it and like he comes uh, back to work with a little bit of shame guy. shameful fat guy Andy Reid you tell him that he's going to go play in Germany and he's like I can't wait to eat some bratwurst but right. but Mike McCarthy, <laughs> you tell him he he's uh, you know playing in Germany. He's gonna have some weird, cringy, like historic fact planned out. When dude, just embrace it. We know you want to go to Germany for the food, dude. Like embrace embrace the foodie in you. Everyone loves it. Just just so you're do saying it. Mike McCarthy's been through the drive through, ordered two meals, but ordered different sodas just to pretend like those for somebody else. <laughs> exactly. And then ate in his car yep. shamefully. Like, <laughs> I ordered this for Susan and she didn't want it, so I guess I'll eat it. Like, you, you, uh, the second meal, I'll, I'll take a, sp- a sprite. Yeah, a sprite. You, that, when he gets food, <laughs> when he gets food delivered to the to the apartment or whatever, he like yells and oh dinner's ready, even though there's like nobody the key there. Peel skit. <laughs> oh my god, she just got shot. Sprite, sp- sprites and limes, so that's a fruit. 
Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Like maybe that final drive, you know, he gets out a plate of ribs and he just starts eating them on the sidelines. Like, I, I, I just think that Mike McCarthy, like, he wasn't always, like, his, his beginning tenure with the Packers, he was just kind of like a chubby guy. He needs to embrace the fat. Like, let, let, let's see it. Like, just eliminate all the shame, dude. You're a fat guy. It's, it's, it's cool, dude. I'm a fat guy. We're all fat guys. Let's embrace the fatness. Fat coaches, confident ones, they can succeed in the NFL. And we, we proved that with some scientific points last week. But speaking, Fat Boy Sunday, man. Fat Boy Sunday. But speaking of jolly fat guys, um, a jolly fat guy that we saw just get laid to ruin, uh, Eagles 7 or 38, Giants 7, Brian Dabble, our sweet prince, fell. Um, this was truly David versus Goliath, except for David just got his fucking cheeks clapped. <laughs> um, the, the, it, it, was, it was really fun pretending that Daniel Jones was somehow back and was now a first-round pick again and that the Giants could do this. Um, Giants fans were super overconfident. I kind of like to see it a little bit, to be honest. Like, uh, But what do you guys think about this? I mean, it, it was I an mean, extremely well-coached bad roster. Yep. I mean, that wide receiver core is bad. So Defense bad. has a lot of holes. I mean, it's a bad team, and, and they kind of got by and—, and you know, we we're feeling good about it. They look good in the first round, but it's still a bad team. Like, so I, I don't really knock too much there. I don't even, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna say too much about Daniel Jones. That's a really bad skills position outside of Saquon Barkley. Um, and they they played against a powerhouse, and uh, we were a little bit worried and apprehensive, not sure what Jalen Hurts' shoulder was gonna look like. Uh, Jalen Hurts is fine, so yes. you know, no issues there. And Brian Dable, I was thinking about this during the game. He ran into the jolly fat guy's arch nemesis, which is a skinny psychopath. Yep. And that's what Nick Sirianni is. Yep. Um, I think I called this pretty much right here. I said that uh, the Cowboy or the the Giants, the defense that they faced last week, the the, the Vikings with that soft ass zone, it's not going to be the defense that they faced this week. Uh, the Eagles proved to be a much tougher test defensively, and they ran the ball at will against them, like they did in their previous matchup. Um, a few weeks uh, earlier in the season, not the one most recently where, you know, that nobody was actually playing. Um, and that, you know, that showed up here exactly how we expected it to. Also, Devonta Smith has turned into like, I mean, I know he may not be a number one and he may need to have a number one, but he's a really fucking good number two. Yeah, he's Slim scrappy Reaper, as hell. Man. He's scrappy as hell. Uh, he's definitely outperformed what I thought. I mean, I thought his size would be a detriment to him, but I mean, they utilize him inside and out. I mean, it's not just a one trick pony. The kid can run all the routes uh, quick. You get him a bubble screen. Uh, it's been impressive, man. And that offensive line, like you were saying, is just absolutely disgusting, dude. That's one of the nastiest offensive lines. And I love trenches football and those guys up there with Kelsey at center. It's it's a lot of fun to watch, and it pains me to say it as a Bucks fan for the Eagles because, honestly, fuck Philadelphia. But watching that offensive line has been a treat all season long, man. I think three pro bowlers on it. Three uh, or four? Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So I think it's three or four pro bowlers on the offensive line. So you expect them to do that, as, especially to the Giants with, with that kind of squad right now. It was tough for that defense. They were on the field the whole time. Jason Kelsey, speaking of fat guys, he's the type of just uh, bizarre fat guy that like could just beat the shit out of you with a smile on his face. Like he's almost jolly but maniacal. Um, and dude, his rant a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl with the Sultan hat on. Oh, dude, Jason Kelsey's <laughs> awesome. He almost retired this offseason and he was a borderline all pro. 
Uh, Kelsey's got some fucking fire running through those jeans, dude. Um, Kelsey Bros, man, yeah. their podcast is fire. And we could very, we could very well see the Kelsey Bros face off in the Super Bowl. Um, those guys are just monsters, man. Uh, the the Eagles. I love the psychopath thing, dude. Nick Sirianni is a crazy motherfucker. I I could see, I could just watch just a whole like clip show of just his reactions to some of those plays. Um, I think Doug Peterson never really fit the city. Uh, There's a funny meme about Doug Peterson where he looks like if Myrtle beach was a person um, and he does Uh, Nick Sirianni though, always got the, the five o'clock shadow always kind of dressed down, like wearing like hoodies, like you're never going to see Nick Sirianni, like even wear like a fucking like polo. I love that. He kind of shows up like, how, how you show up to like a, a 5 a.m. workout session for like high school football um, just kind of kind of slums it. But he embraces the city, man. He looks like the state of the city of Philadelphia. And I think that's where Doug Peterson didn't quite fit in. He, he looks like a functional method, like somebody out of always Philadelphia, the, or, uh, sunny, always sunny in Philadelphia. He's got the bags under his eyes because that motherfucker ain't sleeping, dude. I think one of the reactions on the side ones was, I know what I'm fucking doing. I know what I'm fucking doing. It's like, I love that in a coach, man. The coach would try to stay stoic and not make any emotions. I hate that, man. Like, I need a coach to get pumped up, get the team going, and, and Sirianni's been it for them, man. How lucky to go from Andy Reid, they've had in the past. You got Peterson who brought you a Super Bowl. Now you get Sirianni. Like, fuck you, Philadelphia. Yeah, he's he's terrifying, man. I love him. I really like Nick Sirianni. He's a really, really, really good coach. Um, and it's funny that... Uh, so Nick Sirianni um, was handpicked by Frank Reich to uh, to to take take over the Eagles, and a lot of people doubted that doubted that hire. And geez, as it turns out, Nick Sirianni made Frank Reich. <laughs> it's pretty funny, man. The Colts have been absolutely awful since he left. Um, so it, it really is funny. Sometimes you don't know who's pulling the strings, uh, and and like we were talking about earlier, maybe we're about to see that with the Bills. Like maybe the maybe Dabble was the full reason for 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 the Bills in these last few years. I mean, I know obviously they made the divisional round, so they're still really good. But um, I don't know. I I think we might see a slide there, and and it is funny, man. You never quite know who's pulling the strings, and I'm not going to say it was entirely because of this. But look at the Rams. Get get, get rid of get rid of Kevin O'Connell and fucking. I know they had a lot more problems than that, but that offense was just not functioning the way that it used to be. Uh, a lot of great coaching hires of these last few years and kind of just undercutting a lot of franchises that gave them up. It really is interesting. Nick Sirianni is the real deal. Well, yeah, uh, so there's, I think there's 10 offensive coordinator uh, positions open currently in the NFL. That includes obviously places where they don't have a head coach. So, um, but yeah, that's, there's, there's, there's some, uh, like offensively, there's just, you know, a dearth of what's actually, good offense anymore and i think that i think that the the eagles actually have a good candidate in shane steichen um he's he's a really good he's their play caller um and since he's taken over play calling duties they've been awesome since the bye week last year so i I would look for him to be um to be plucked away by somebody next year and so we might be saying the same thing about nick sirianni then who knows (laughs) yeah The Eagles, the Eagles just look electric. I actually, I actually think that this. I mean, dude, Jalen Hurts, like we we said, you know, he looks healthy. I barely passed, only 154 yards. Like he didn't really need to. 
Um, I almost wonder if this ass whooping is bad for the Eagles ultimately because the 49ers have kind of, you know, they've played some tough games. I know they pretty much blew out Seattle, but they still were tested in the first half for Seattle. So they had to overcome, you know, some some bad rookie play by, I just think uh, uh, the 49ers have had to overcome more and, you know, the Eagles didn't even play the first week. I almost wonder if this win, you know, what, what's what's the Bane quote from from uh, the third Batman? Oh, it's victory that's defeated you, or what is it? It's uh, I'm not I'm not even really sure, but um, sometimes when teams are coasting, it's not a good thing. And I, I I just I wonder because they have not played a team like the 49ers all fucking season. Look at this the is going to be a great matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. Look at the Eagles' schedule, man. They, they have not played a single team even close to the caliber of the 49ers. They have had one of the easiest schedules in recent history. Um, I just wonder if they're battle-tested enough after this win. I mean, it, it was a great win, but I, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. You see you see time and time again in the playoffs where the teams get hot, the, the wild-card team or the divisional team, the guys that actually get warmed up so i wouldn't be surprised the, the niners are ready to go man they've been playing smash mouth football and the eagles have got an easy pass through the playoffs so like you said could be a detriment yep uh so let's move on to the to uh, a really interesting game uh, this jaguars chiefs game was way closer than i think a lot of people thought it would be um <clears throat> although it really was a backdoor cover in the end <laughs> kind of a weird backdoor cover but uh the mahomes injury holy shit did you guys think he was done? I mean, when I saw him take that, it looked like his leg snapped. Um, and I, I yeah. straight up thought he was just playing on a broken ankle there for a little bit. His reaction said it all. I mean, he even had a, a bad reaction, gimping over to the sideline. I mean, you thought it was something super serious. And especially if that ankle starts swelling up, you're done. There's nothing you can do. I don't care how tough you are or whatever. If that thing starts swelling up, you're not going anywhere. Uh, so I definitely thought there was a big concern, but uh, relief to the Chiefs. He came back in the game, and thank God for Chad Henney. <laughs> he also played pretty damn well, like even with that ankle injury. But once we found out it was a high ankle sprain and that there was no, you know, x-rays were negative or whatever, it's very much so, all right, well, uh, give him a cortisol shot and, and retape that bitch, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll change the game plan accordingly. But, <clears throat> I mean... I was a little surprised that we didn't see more of Travis Kelsey, um, you know, just com- taking a snap at quarterback or doing some trick plays and stuff like that um, <laughs> down in the red zone. But outside of that, like it, it this is what the Chiefs give you, you know, see more um, of Travis Kelsey he had 10 catches no, in the first no, just, half. Just taking the snap, taking oh, snaps. Okay. you know how they, they, they yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you can't get more of Travis Kelsey than that. He had 10 catches no, in the first he, half. He was incredible. Yeah, but the, the craziest part about that ankle injury, and then this is what I actually thought gave the Jags a chance, was Josh Allen on the outside, pass rushing, and Trayvon Walker. And with that ankle injury, it was definitely a concern. And, dude, they gave up, up zero sacks in that game. I mean, I it's crazy. Have, I thought they should have blitzed more, um, the Jags. Um, and also, given Patrick Mahomes you know, having an ankle injury and not being as mobile as he normally is, I would have probably gotten at it too high. I would have played like single high or something. Um, allowing you a little bit more time to blitz, and you don't have to worry about spying him because he because he does have the ankle injury. So you can kind of flood more zones and and bring some some different types of pressures. 
um, but they didn't really do that. So, yeah, zero sacks isn't going to win you a playoff game. I mean, everybody's proven the formula: the the Broncos, the Bucks, any team with outside guys that can get rushing on Patrick Mahomes, where you can rush four and you don't blitz. That's the formula to beat the Chiefs. And uh, again, I thought the Jags actually had a fighting chance there with that defense and the way that they've been playing. I mean, they um, like did said, a little backdoor cover, a little backdoor cover, like you said at the end. I mean, besides Agnew's fumble uh, in the red zone, which was huge, right. but you, it's a double-edged <clears> sword. <throat> you could say without him and his special teams prowess, I mean, he, what was he averaging like forty-something yards of return? In that no, game? yes, yeah, 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 so yeah it's, sure. It's but tough, if he man. doesn't fumble, you know, there's a chance that they score, and then they get the ball back actually, and Trevor Lawrence throws a pick. So they had multiple opportunities there to make this a closer game or even get it, you know, to the point where. Um, they were they tied it up. So um, it it it's if you're the Jags, you're you feel pretty good about this season. Um, but you know that you know it, it's still a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they went played from hard. Yeah, picking first overall two years in a row to winning a right. playoff game. It's a huge mm-hmm. jump. Like you, you yeah. gotta be happy with that. You know, your your franchise guy looked like a franchise guy. Mm-hmm. Top ten, top ten quarterback in the league. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he did his thing, and they won the division. And that's a bad division. I mean, the Jags can really top that division out for years to come. Right now, it's theirs for the taking. They've got a young nucleus, and if the GM doesn't fuck it up, they've got a good chance to be really, really good for a long time. And Doug yeah. Peterson, I, I love Doug Peterson, man. You got to remember, he was behind those Kansas City teams with Andy Reid. I mean, before the enemy. So. That, that coaching tree is deep, and, and you can see it out there with the transformation of Trevor Lawrence from last year's debacle with Urban Meyer. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing is, that we're, we're fortunately for us, um, next year's AFC, uh, the Jags, Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals were all division winners, so they all have to play each other next year. So we're the beneficiary there because we're going to get to see some good matchups. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this Jags team, definitely you have to feel good about it. There's a really, it's a really young defense, um, that they have there. So you continue to add some talent, add some key playmakers in the right spots. Um, and this is a team that can, they can definitely take a step forward here in the, in the near future. Oh, without, without a doubt. And everyone wants an anoint, you know, Brian Dabble, like as the coach of the year, I mean, the Jags? Like, why is nobody talking about Doug Peterson as coach of the year? Uh, first of all, mm-hmm. he actually I won it. it. He actually won his division. Um, DVOA, Jacksonville was was flirting with the top 10 almost the entire season. Finished at 13. That's that's incredible, boys. I mean, none of us had the Jags or the Giants going to the playoffs at the beginning of the year. But the Jags took care of business. I mean, obviously a way worse division. Way worse division. But still... Did what they did with arguably less talent. Like I don't know. I the, you know the, I, I love Brian Dabble, but Doug Peterson should one hundred percent be in contention for this job. And you look at this final I week. I mean, look, look at the look at the Eagles. You know, two David and Goliath matchups with the Eagles versus Giant, the Giants, and Jacksonville versus the Chiefs. And look what the Jags did. Playing an Arrowhead is. Hard boys, it is really mm-hmm. fucking deafening hard. in that stadium. It absolutely is absolutely deafening. They looked incredible. Well, I, I think it would be an absolute shame not to give Doug Peterson a look. And I, I'm just gonna say it. I think he deserves it. Um, I, I think I think he did more with less. Uh, you could argue he has a better talent at quarterback, but. 
Daniel Jones is still a top 10 pick. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. Right. Um, well, with, I, with years of experience, too. I mean, it's not like he's a spring chicken. He actually has some years under his belt. I mean, with the Giants and Trevor Lawrence, he's got one year again with Urban Meyer and that whole shit show last year. I can't imagine having to deal with that shit on a daily basis. It was just Doug Peterson's my pick for coach of the year. I sent it into you guys, I think, a couple episodes ago thinking we were going to cover it. But that's, I mean, how can you not pick him, in my opinion? With a Jags team that has been dog shit for however long, you got Khan, who actually is an owner who I think could be one of the best owners in the NFL. He's really investing in the team. Uh, but he took it over and, and took him to the house, man. It was awesome. And giving Trevor Lawrence the confidence, I mean, a guy who throws four picks in the first half of a playoff game, and I can't imagine what they said to each other in that locker room, but Man, just stick to the game plan and coming out and, and pushing through. I mean, it's an incredible season to be a Jacks fan. Just the power wash, the stank of Urban Meyer off that locker room had to be terrifying. And like to repurpose <laughs> the women's locker room that he had erected for Trevor Lawrence is just he he did an incredible coaching job. And uh, it's it's just it really is funny. Everyone talks about Dabble and the turnaround he did. And fucking Doug Peterson gets no credit. It's wild. It really is wild to me. Um, so I, I don't know. Anything else about this game? Travis Kelsey, I think you can make you can make a case should be the number one overall pick in fantasy next year. No, it's fucking nuts. It's 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 either him or Justin Jefferson. But what more does this guy have to prove? Um, he's you know he's, he's definitely getting up there in age. But if you want to talk about position scarcity, you could easily make the case for him being the first round pick in every draft until he shows any sign of topping off. That's just my concern, like you said, is his age. And when you hear him talk to his brother, I would listen to their podcast a lot. And dude, he's, he's almost ready to walk away. I wouldn't doubt if they yeah. win it this year that right. he would walk away if they win uh -oh. this year. He, I could see that talk, being a possibility. They, they talk about post-football all the time. And you see more and more players now, man, looking to make their mark early in the league and get out. You know, make your stamp while you can, become a legend, and make your way out when you're in those type of positions that take big hits and – get concussions. I mean, think about even his brother, Jason on the offensive line, concussion after concussion, you're hitting your head. You got to make, you got to make moves. And I wouldn't doubt it if they won the Super Bowl this year. So that's my one concern for Kelsey. Yeah. But Jason Kelsey still playing at the top of his career at 35 has also threatened to retire every year for the last three years. I just think that that's like, that, that might just be a Kelsey thing. Um, I think they'll both probably play till they're 50. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jason Kelsey, it really is funny. They literally just look like you face that one person. Like it, Jason Kelsey just looks like Travis Kelsey with the big face filter on face app. Um, they are a, they're a funny fucking bruising bunch. All right, before we move on to the conference finals, let's just let's do some shower thoughts. Bonus points if it's non-football related. Derek, start us off. Yeah, so for me, I, I'm coming off the high of, of the second episode of uh, The Last of Us. And I was just thinking like halfway through that, I'm like, man, HBO does not fucking miss. Like to me, I mean, HBO has obviously been doing it a longer time. And, and you know, they're, they're the, you know, the, the, the predecessor. They're kind of the gold standard of it. The benchmark. But it's like, a, but it's like A24 with movies. Like if I see that logo, I'm going, period. Uh, I'll see anything A24 makes and anything HBO puts up is worth a, is worth a look. Uh, I, I haven't watched The White Lotus. I know people love it. I know people it's love really Euphoria. Good. I know people love you know all the other things they put out. <laughs> Obviously, the, the the first season of House of Dragons was a huge, huge, huge success. And now The Last of Us is like a flawless video game adaptation. Like the way that they're porting it over, they're they're hitting the marks on on scenes that they should. Things look visually 
perfect. Uh, and they're actually the, the the tweaks that they are making are things that I think they have to make just to make it more realistic for something that's live action. Uh, you can't really get by with like video game logic in in live action, uh, but it's it's amazing and just another great HBO show. Uh, I'm excited to have something else to look forward to on Sundays. It's such a great show, and um, you know the the whole zombie genre was really getting pounded in the dirt. Um, and it's it's a refreshing. It's not even a new concept. There's actually a book um, called "Girl with All the Gifts." Uh, if you're looking for a great book to read, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, uses the same concept, and I think Last of Us actually stole this concept. The, the video game, not the show, uh, stole this concept. But so the, the whole concept of zombies. Sometimes they just won't even explain in the movie why it happened. Um, sometimes it's a virus. In this case, they actually took a fungus that actually exists. Uh, it takes over ants and it gets inside their head and it, it makes them move towards the top of trees and it li- like a fungus literally takes over their brain and basically like it's it's like becomes them. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's the concept of the show. Uh, the, the fungus is completely uh, harmless to humans because they can't it can't survive under certain temperatures. And so the human body is too high. Uh, f- for that fungus to live to live on, so that's why it's not a threat to us. But the whole concept of the show is with like global warming and everything. What if that fun- fungus were to adapt to higher temperatures and and actually be able to do what they do to ants to to uh, warmer body creatures? Um, and it's just it's a it's a really innovative, cool uh, uh, retake on a, on a really tired genre. And the acting in it is incredible. Um, it's just one of those balls of the wall. It's like one of those shows you're almost exhausted by the end of every episode. It's just so good. I love to like even from the, the know, man. even from like the first scene in the way they explain it. They're like, oh, flashback to the '60s and some guy being paranoid about this. Like, this is my biggest fear. And then you know, obviously over time it, it takes hold. Instead of the stupid like voiceover well that's when the zombie started it's like it was just <laughs> mm-hmm. such a better like just from like the, literally the first scene i was like okay we're, we're on a better path here yep i don't know if it holds a candle to the walking dead guys i'm not even oh, sure <laughs> See, the walking dead was awesome <laughs> when it started and then it just became you know kind season of a, 55 is coming up this year it just you know, became we, like we a need, soap opera. we need to take more examples from the british like make your six seasons make your movie and get the fuck out yeah, <laughs> like yeah. There, uh, there, there's no reason to have these things linger to the point where it's like incoherent. It's like I don't care about season 23 of The Walking Dead. Well, look at it's Ted Lasso. Ted, Ted Lasso, such such a great show. It feels like it's just getting started. This is the final season um, of Ted Lasso, uh, and everyone loves this show. It's a show that could be easily be dragged out for 10 seasons if they wanted to, but nope. I mean, they, they're like, this is a good show, and we're going to end it this season, and I like that. Um, yep. And then, you, and then, if you really want sequels, people really want more. Go have a Roy, a Roy Kent spinoff, and yeah. like, let's go look at his playing career. Like, there's other things that you can do that still stay in the idea, but let you be like fresh and not just like, you know, season sixty five of The Sopranos. Dude, Roy Kent is one of the greatest characters like ever in a show. He makes he makes me laugh so fucking hard, and the way he talks, like he's like I just like love the yeah the dryness and just like <laughs> <laughs> he's like talking to his niece. He's like, well, she was being a fucking cunt. She's being a, <laughs> she's being a fucking cunt. Yeah, dude, Roy, Roy Kent, such a great character, and they they really play to the stereotypes of of, of like soccer players really really well. Um, that's such an excellent show. Yeah, dude, it c- could couldn't. Couldn't agree more. HBO never misses, and even their bad shows are great. Yeah. Phenomenal. Newman. 
What do you think about Brian Cranston missing though? Because I don't see a lot of those happening either. Um, what do you his, mean? his new show <clears throat> on Showtime, Your Honor, uh, second season just started, and like the feat of acting that he's had to go through to play this character. I'm not sure what other roles or whatever he's had going on and stuff. But um, he peaked. He, like, he's a good example of a guy who maybe took on too great of a role too too early um, with 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 Breaking Bad. Like, how can he ever? Malcolm in the Middle, right? I, I don't character. think he's anything since Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was a, that is a phenomenal character. By the way, he's so good in yeah. that role in Malcolm in the Middle. He he crushes everything he does. The right. Lyndon Johnson movie he did, but yeah, is, is that a good show? The, it is. Your Honor? Is that yeah. Frankie Muniz, Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's a NASCAR driver now. You guys know that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> saw that. Holy shit. It's a weird yeah, blurb. He's, just, he's a legit NASCAR driver now. I uh, I want to try there. They have a Mezcal that I really want to try. Um, I just can't, like, stomach. I'm like, maybe I'll buy a cheaper bottle of Mezcal first and see if I like it as much as tequila before I spend <laughs> oh, we $60 got, we got you on, on the Mezcal. We got on Dos Hombres. Yeah. <laughs> we got to hook up on the Mezcal. Don't worry. It's like okay, every okay, actor okay. has a tequila company nowadays. <laughs> every single actor in existence has a tequila company. <laughs> Kurt, shower thought? Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm big into stand-up comedy. I'm actually going to see Ari Shafir in uh, February nice. here early in Tampa. Um, but, dude, I just got reminded of how fucking awesome and legendary Louis C.K. is, man. I mean, he's got a new – I think he's going to perform in Madison Square Garden coming up in New York. And he's got a new special out. And I just went through his old stuff again through YouTube, man, and just was crying laughing. And he almost got canceled, dude. A lot of people out there who maybe younger kids and never heard of him or anything coming up. Louis C.K. is the fucking man. And I just can't wait to hear his new stuff because the guy's an absolute legend in comedy. And I'm glad to see him still out there crushing. For good reason and for bad reasons, he he almost got canceled. I think I, for good reason because he did something pretty horrible. Uh, I will never back down from Louis C.K. I mean, he he's my favorite stand-up comedian of all time. He he always will be. Um, and he he really he's making a comeback. He's doing his round on podcasts. Um, he he he's done a bunch of podcasts and they've all been great. He just did Burt Kreisner a couple days ago. Um, he he he. I think he actually is making a comeback. And and unlike a lot of these other guys. When the whole thing broke about him, he just fessed up to it immediately, T- took ownership. A lot of the women that were involved in it actually came out and defended him. So I don't think that his his situation is comparable to a lot of these other people that got canceled for good reason. But I do think he deserved the exile, and he probably deserved a huge hit to his career. But he's still an excellent stand-up comedian, and his recent stand-ups are better than ever. I mean, the, the, the punch to the nuts that this career has done to him uh, it, it really has done. I mean, sometimes you got to make a guy super depressed to make him funny. And in his most recent standups, like he, you would think he would back off from a lot of topics. He, he's like doubling down and he's funnier. He than doubles ever. down, man. I was listening to the same, like some podcasts this week and him on Rogan too. And just listening to him talk. I mean, it's a guy who was raised by a single mom. He had, I think two other sisters, two or three other sisters. So the guy knows about women and things like that. And he definitely did some fucked up shit, but super dude, fucked up. Comedy stand- Comedy standpoint, I mean, the guy is just unreal. And uh, again, seeing any type of comedy, I can't tell anybody enough to go out anywhere you can in local comedy clubs. Comedy is at its peak. I mean, unbelievable stuff out there. And uh, definitely Louis C.K. Oh, I'll, I'll go yeah. see him the second I can. I saw a story, speaking of uh, stand-up, and we're talking about the, you know, some NFL topics. Uh, uh, Jim Brewer apparently did a stand-up set at one of those, like, Christian hate preacher church things where they just like scream at everybody. He's doing a set at, at one of their events and like started getting like this weird tirade about like vaccines and then segued into like 
making fun of like the Damar Hamlin situation. Ugh. And then the entire crowd was just silent. They're like, what are you doing? Jim like, Brewer? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, why Why are we making fun of a player who almost died? That's like, I don't, sad because he, he was actually really funny in the 90s. Um, yeah. And, and, and even if you can figure out a funny excellent. spin, like the definition of too soon. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jim Brewer was excellent. Um, really, really funny comedian. But yeah, just kind of drop out the face of the earth. Uh, Got, there had to be something else like drugs or, or something that, that took over that guy. But yeah, he just completely disappeared. Yeah. I completely forgot who he was, to be honest. Legendary, legendary performance on Half-Baked, though. And my oh, sh- yeah. my, my <laughs> yeah, shower man. thought of the week is uh, for two times in the last three weeks is about showers. Um, shout out to Diana Rossini um, for uh, just honestly, inarguably one of the best journalists in all of sports. I stuck around in the Bills locker room to, you know, kind of check over and make sure that Josh Allen was okay, but also to, you know, it's it's her job to report the news. And she stuck around with him all the way into the shower, um, went back to his, her, his apartment afterwards. And I just want to shout out to Diana Rossini for just absolutely sticking to her guns and just being the, the bang up journalist that she is. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And thank you for commenting our meme this week. (laughs) 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 all right conference finals phenomenal games boys um the worst of these games is a two and a half point spread uh this is this is one of the best conference finals i think in a really long time like i started out i mean this is this is sigma male (laughs) i obviously say that tongue-in-cheek but these are the alphas of the league they truly are um and Philly is only a two and a half point favorite over San Francisco, but this blows my mind, boys. Cincinnati is a favorite, a favorite in fucking Arrowhead, boys. Did that shift? What did it? I don't think it opened that way. I think they opened at two and a half point dogs. Or I looked it up. I, I looked it up right before. Cincinnati's a one point favorite. Um, no, so, I'm saying I'm saying that must have shifted because I think it opened as um as they were a two and a half point dogs. So people are money. very questioning uh they're questioning patrick mahomes and that ankle i think I, either not, that not only that the Bengals have what beat the chiefs how many games in a row now it's, three, I mean, three it's, got, a factor, it's got a factor into the into vegas man three times in a row i mean i, I get it i'm worried i mean I'm, I'm worried about Mahomes. typically when you talk about you know soft tissue issues like that um that day later you know the, the, as soon as it happens is the best you're gonna feel for the next few weeks, like once you get off that and it starts swelling and you like, I can't imagine what he's going to be trying to go through to play. Uh, Obviously he's going to give it a go, but I don't think that the chiefs didn't look that great. Um, Jacksonville was right there in the game. Um, I I, obviously, you know, with the Bengals, it was much more dominant and, you know, Joe Burrow is going to enter the game as a much more, you know, healthy quarterback. Um, And, and really the top two quarterbacks in the league in the same game. It's, it's pretty exciting. That that Bengals defense is licking their chops, man. Hubbard coming off the edge. It's it's not going it to. We might see some crazy stuff coming from the Bengals here. And uh, the way they handled the Bills and seeing the Chiefs struggle against the Jags like that, uh, I think if you swap them swap them out and it was the Bengals playing the Jags, that they beat the living shit out of them. And I think the Bengals are just on a whole nother level right now than any other team in the entire league. And it's I think it's going to be a rough day for KC. Yeah, I yeah, you had me second guessing myself, so I went I went to double check the lines. The Bengals are favored in every single sports book. In fact, they're one and a half point favorites for FanDuel and MGM. 
Um, I it honestly just blows my mind. Uh, you know, we're talking about high ankle sprains. Christ Almighty, if, if you're a running back, high ankle, high ankle sprain sidelines you for six weeks. Um, yeah. It's it's a very very painful injury. Uh, the guy was limping around, and like Derek said, dude, he is going to be hurting. And he's saying a lot of things today about how surprisingly good he feels. <laughs> he's playing the part. I, I I have a question about Patrick Mahomes. Where does this guy get it? Where does this guy get his toughness? Where does he get his drive? We're talking about a dude that grew up in the suburbs. His dad, a major league baseball player, growing up in like probably the whitest suburb of Texas. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, where does this guy? His dad's a bullpen guy. You know that 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 being a bullpen pitcher is like that's mental toughness personified. That's got to be one of the more mentally challenging uh, roles in all sports, where you literally sit on your ass ice cold the entire game and it's okay get up in crunch time like most important part of the game here you go um i think that's where it comes from and i think he stole all the bravado all the toughness all the coolness from jackson and that's why jackson's left yeah. with the fucking <laughs> such a person that he is i think he took it all <laughs> i think they just keep jackson around for in case uh, patrick ever needs an organ transplant at this point <laughs> Yeah. You would have thought they were actual twins and he took it away from them. You would have thought they were both twins in the womb and Patrick just sucked it all yep. away from him in the womb. Like he- took it all away from him. Patrick Mahomes is such a stud that I still don't dislike him despite everything else around oh, him. Oh, dude, there's nothing to dislike about Patrick Mahomes. He's oh. freakishly likable. Um, and his wife is awful. I don't care what anyone says. His wife is awful. <laughs> wife, she, well, she, his dude. brother's awful. Like, yeah. Dude, we dude, were talking dude. about comedy earlier. Andrew Santino has a story about Patrick Mahomes and going out with him that at his show, he stayed over at the comedy show with him it's and a good pounded one. like 14 <clears throat> beers. And yeah. he's like, all right, man, you know, I'll see you maybe later after the second show. He's like, no, we're going to stay for the second show. Said he pounded like another 10 beers in the second show. Then he goes to Andrew Santino. He goes, all right, man, where are we going out? We're going to go out, right? They go out to the club. And he said Mahomes pounded at least another 12 beers at the club. He said this motherfucker was putting down. I can't remember if it was Bud Light, Miller Light, one of the two. But this motherfucker can drink. And I bet you he's a fun fucking time, dude. Boy from Texas, football guy. I got to love it, man. You got to be a fun time to, to put up with that family, dude. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really no getting around it. Like his, his mom is even awful. Like straight, straight up, like he, his family sucks. And so I, I, I gotta ask again, where does he get it from? Where does he get this toughness? Where does he get this moxie? He is unflappable. The guy was screaming at his coaching staff when they were trying to take him back last week. Like Kansas city doesn't deserve this guy. They don't deserve this guy. This guy is freakish. Where it has to come from. Yeah, he's he really is like and and like you said, I've never liked disliked Patrick Mahomes. He always says the right thing, and and dude, you are who you hang out with. You are who your friends are, and you sometimes are who your shithead brother is. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't understand. I I I admire Patrick Mahomes so much as a human. Um, and dude, maybe he's got a shitty wife, and Patrick Mahomes is just really devoted and monogamous and. Whatever it is, he's a, an incredible human being. And as much as I root for Joe Burrow, this game is tough for me, man. Because I love both these guys. I love them both so much. Uh, and I feel like I'm rooting for legacies here. And I don't know what legacy to root for. I'm definitely rooting for Joe Cool in the end. But, man, this is this is Give really the Bengals a Super Bowl, Drew. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> they need a Super oh, Bowl. Kurt, you weren't on the pod last week. Bengals are my Super Bowl favorites. They have been for a while. Um, but they, and how, 
They're uh, I'm sorry. It's it's just I don't know. It's it, this is tough for me because watching Patrick Mahomes gut out that performance last week just makes me like him even more, and I didn't think that was possible. How funny if it's San Francisco and the Bengals in the Super Bowl and the Bengals playing San Fran for the third time, I believe it would be for a Super Bowl, right? If I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh, dude. I mean, that's the storybook ending right there. Get the Bengals in against San Fran again for the third time. Just hopefully Joe Cool comes out on top and brings it to Cincinnati, the Queen City and the Bengals. Right. You think Joe Candy, John Candy will show up there? R.I.P. Yeah, I, uh, I think I need the Bengals to win as much as I, I. I don't know many Bengals fans, and the ones I know, I'm like not super impressed by. Uh, as, as far as like they feel like they deserve this somehow, and they've already won the Super Bowl, and at the same time they're underdogs. And I, I, I when teams and especially fan bases taking that whole us against the world thing too seriously, it's like shut up. Like you don't play it. You're you're not part of the team. Like it, <laughs> you, you care way too much about this as if this is affecting your daily life. Uh, and you think it's like the whole world's conspiring against you. But you look at everybody else, like, I definitely don't want Philly to win again. Says I, the guys on a podcast with a meme page with the fantasy football leagues. <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely don't want Philadelphia to win again. I don't want San Francisco to win another one. Uh, and then, so you're looking at, is the, the Chiefs again? And the Chiefs, I mean, Chiefs fans have gotten really fucking annoying out of nowhere. So maybe I'm rooting for, for the Bengals out of all this. I just want to give you a fair warning if the Bengals actually do win, those fans are going to get real annoying real quick. Too, no, they Derek. will. They will for sure. There's no way around it. They definitely are. What do you mean? The Bucks got Tom Brady, and I'm a Bucks fan. This fan base grew 20 times when Tom Brady comes to Tampa the Bay worst, and became dude. one of the most annoying fan bases. The Bucks, the Bucks, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, worst sports cities in the country. Oh, so, would, would Tom Brady fans um, have to add like another part to the jersey? Would they have to like middle it or something? Like it's like Patriots on one side, um, Bucks. I don't know what middle, Tom Brady then, fans do. And then Raiders on the right would. or whatever. They probably would. <laughs> the Raiders or Dolphins? Or uh, I, I saw uh, some smoke and speculation on Titans. That'd be a great fit. <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting one Raiders. for you. Ugh. Gosh, no way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that ultimately the Chiefs would be my pick in terms of this, especially if I'm getting some points, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals. Yeah, so that's what we'll see. That's what makes this tough. Like as a better, like Chiefs getting Chiefs getting a point. Ugh, mm-hmm. man, in Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah. Another thing is, don't the Chiefs have to win another one to kind of really solidify like their legacy? Oh yeah, it's like. Dude. Andy plenty, of, plenty of guys have won one. Andy Reid has been to 10 conference finals. 10 yeah. conference finals, boys. He's only been to three Super Bowls and he's only won one. Uh, right. That's rough, but we already know. In fact, bet the farm on the Bengals because Andy Reid will only play Super Bowls in the state of Florida. That's a fact. Oh, this, yeah. So the Andy Reid has never played, played Florida, a Super so, Bowl yeah. in out outside of the state of Florida. So it's in Arizona this year. Kind of like Florida. I guess Arizona is Western Florida. So maybe he makes it. But yeah, Andy Reid only <laughs> only plays in Florida. So that that that's definitely going against him for sure. Anyone taking Kansas City? I, I'm going to take the points. Yeah, I'll take Kansas City in the well, points. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that means you're to taking win. a win. But yeah, that's what I said. I, I want the Bengals to win, but I'm going to take the points in Kansas City here. 
I'll take the Bengals, baby. Who day? All right, San Francisco and Philly. Uh, San Francisco are two and a half point dogs. Um, not that surprising, but I'm sorry, guys. I'm rolling with San Francisco here. Um, I, I, I I really do love what the Eagles have done. And like I said, I, I love Nick Sirianni. The Eagles are going to be good for the next fucking five years. I mean, they are built. They have so many draft. They have so many draft picks. Oh, dude, they they are loaded. Yeah. They're stacked. Yeah, they, 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 they don't do even have, have any cap issues. Stuff, so. They they probably don't even have to sign Jalen Hurts to another contract until after next year. They're set um, for a really long time. So this team's going to be around for a while. But uh, I I don't know. Um, I just think the 49ers got something to them, and I'm I'm taking 49ers to win this game. Yeah, so I had the 49ers last week um, in terms of winning uh, the whole thing. So I am going to stick with that here, despite the fact that I've kind of been the the biggest proponent for the Eagles on this podcast all season. Um, uh, no, it's Marcus. I, no, I had them winning 13 games in the division. I was the only one who picked them to win division. That was definitely me. Go look at go listen to the pod. We have receipts. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, Despite that, I'm going to take San Francisco. Marcus did say he's going to take the Eagles, so I'm assuming he's going to he's going to roll with that pick. Um, but yeah, uh, I I think I I just I trust Kyle Shanahan a little bit more, and um, their de- I, I like their defense a little bit better. <clears throat> You've been their biggest proponent, pick? but the only one of only one of us has taken them to win the Super Bowl. So who's the biggest proponent, Marcus? I said I had been the biggest proponent <laughs> all season, is what I said. But you aren't anymore. Listen, Listen, Marcus is. <laughs> Who do bitch pick? Anybody know? I uh, no. don't. No, no. I, I I took the Bengals. Uh, Derek took 49ers. Newman took 49ers, and Marcus took the Eagles. And I'll take opposite of Dubich, which is most likely the 49ers. So give me the 49ers to take the dub. Yeah, I, I went 49ers because I was just hedging my bet on Jalen Hurts' shoulder. I was worried about it. Uh, I'm not anymore. <clears throat> so for me, so you're I, flip. I, I like the Eagles this week. I do. Oh, you turn uh, coat, pick, you turn coat and bitch. I, I was Nick worried about Bo- shoulder, Nick and Bosa? now I'm not. And you're and not I'm worried just, about Nick Bosa coming? I don't off the think. Edge? I don't think Brock Purdy is going to go undefeated in his career. Um, probably not going to happen. So he's got to lose sometime. And hey. I think if there was ever for a rookie to play like a rookie, it's against this defense. This um, is like this is how Larry David so, would describe it. All he has to do is play pretty, pretty, pretty good, and just like he did in this last game, no mistakes, make a couple big plays when you got him, and that's it, dude. The rest of that team's going to carry him. When you got Kittle, you got Ayuk, you got Debo. But you the, got the difference Steven is, I don't Elijah think Mitchell. that they can play it safe because I don't think they can. The, the, this isn't the Cowboys. They're not. You're not going to hold the Eagles to ten points. Yeah, it's so he's so going to have to take some it, chances. He's going to have to push the ball down the field. Josh, um, that, I mean, Josh that went, defense matches up well against the Eagles, and especially the two linebackers that I mentioned earlier, which are two guys that could be kryptonite to Jalen Hurts. And what makes his game the strongest? When you have Greenlaw and Fred Warner back there, those guys are incredible in coverage. They're fast, and they play the run well. And that offensive line and the defensive line is going to be a trench battle, and it'll be fun to watch. But I think the linebackers make the difference there with the Eagles against the Eagles, especially with Dallas Goddard as one of the biggest binkies for Jalen Hurts. But Philly's got so, a better secondary. You got to admit that. Yeah, so, Darius so, Slay so, 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 is yeah. tremendous. Def- there's definitely some there's definitely some some weaknesses uh, and some disadvantages for the 49ers, right? So they lose a uh, they have a they lose a day, right? The Eagles had an extra day of rest. The Eagles get to play at home. 
The 49ers have to travel cross country. Um, so that's there's some slight disadvantages there. But I wouldn't say that the 49ers defense is incapable of like being taken advantage of. We've seen some teams, particularly in the slot, um, that have had some success. So if the Eagles are going to win this game, what they have to do is they have to create some mismatches by moving around, you know, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and whoever else so they can take advantage of uh, that, you know, forcing the 49ers into covering the slot. And their secondary is, while it's good, it's not, it's not like the best secondary ever or anything like that. It's, um, it's a pretty good secondary, but they can be had. So I think this is going to be a, a drag out, bloodbath um and i'm here for it yeah I'm not, I, I I mean, it's definitely gonna be a close game i'm gonna give the advantage to the link and, and i think those fans are gonna be fucking out of their mind makes sense well and you said i mean in the last game jalen hurts we really didn't see the shoulder tested he barely passed the ball in that last game because they were able to run dominate but you're not gonna is miles sanders really gonna run dominate against the san francisco 49ers defense miles sanders can do everything gonna, but or, score or are we gonna have to see? Or are we gonna have to see Jalen Hurts throw the ball 35, 40 times in this game? I mean, that's they, the biggest. I think Miles Sanders can do everything but score. He can get the ball. You know, he can march it down eighty yeah. yards and then has somebody else put in the end zone. That, that, is, well. that, is, that is. It great, won't be Boston Scott because it's not the Giants this week. That is. A, that is a great point, though. Kenneth Gainwell is not gonna average nine yards a carry against this team. Um, they're not gonna be able to run down the throats. Jalen Hurts is gonna have to pass. By the way, when Jalen Hurts passed last week, he looked fucking awesome. So, um, I mean, he, he was putting the ball on the spot. Jalen Hurts looked amazing. Uh, he didn't have to pass a lot, but when he did pass, and, and honestly, that, that kind of just works to their favor that he didn't have to pass a lot because if he does have any soreness or any tenderness, which is what, um, you know, follows that injury, the best thing to do is to rest it. And he got arrested even, yeah. even, he got arrested even in a win. So, um, you know, advantage there for the Eagles, but uh, this defense... They're, they are going to shut down the run, and Jalen Hurts is going to have to pass a lot, I think. Um, and that that's worrisome. Uh, I, 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 when you look at these defenses, uh, the front seven, advantage 49ers, but you look at the secondary, advantage Philly. This is going to be a great game. I, I, I think there's no way that, sure. that this thing is a blowout on either side. Um, and I, I think the 49ers ultimately triumph, but I do think it's going to be a really, really, really close game. Um, so get the rare, uh, skinny psychopath matchup with, uh, both, both teams. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, 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 it's going to be a good one, boys. This whole weekend is just, honestly, it's, it's pretty fucking great. All right. We'll end it there. Any closing thoughts? Anything? Where's Tom Brady going? Is it over? Is it done? I know he's not yeah. going to be a Bucks any with the Bucks anymore. So, welcome to the team, Kyle Trask. I can't wait for you to burn it all down. He's not done. He's going to go to. He's going to go to. You know, he's going to go to some other country with that chick he's been dating, and just you know, re-energize. Uh, and he's going to come the- back with another team and, and reinvent himself again. Probably win a Super Bowl next year. Do we think the Bucks are ever going to draft a quarterback that's worth anything at all? Like <laughs> not with Jason Leach as their uh, GM, and I call I mean, him they Leach. It, they haven't done it. They haven't done it. They haven't done it in their history. I mean, they're really good at drafting. I mean, yeah, they they're have. really they the only no quarterback. No, yeah. they're excellent. Yeah, Steve Young. No, they're, <laughs> Steve Young. Doug Williams. They're excellent yeah. at drafting. Yeah. They're excellent at drafting quarterbacks that win Super Bowls for other teams. They're excellent at it. <laughs> yep. They're the best ever. In fact, the Vikings should go out and trade for <laughs> Kyle Trask because he's probably the next guy. I think the Bucks made it actually cool before the Giants or uh, Eli Manning did 
bucking the Chargers to go to the Giants when Bo Jackson said, fuck no, nah, I ain't going to Tampa Bay. <laughs> he, he bucked the Bucks so bad. It was, it was terrible. And Trent Dilfer, the GOAT. Oh. Yeah, lest we forget. Dude, by the way, I recently looked it up. Trent Dilfer was only 28 when he won the Super Bowl for the Ravens. He looked like he was 97. <laughs> he's, he's just a full-blown bald man. All right. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>